bum bum bottom 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 bum
And we also had never done such a thing before. We had very little faith in ourselves that we would actually be able to accomplish it. Yeah. And now that we have done it, and it was, dare I say, a success. I don't want to go too far into details about how great that panel was because we are going to save it for next episode. But it wasn't perfect and there were things that we learned, but it was really, really great. It was so great. And the feeling afterwards was so elating. But like... It was Saturday morning at 10.45, so Thursday, Friday, we had this little black rain cloud of, we had to, we had to, we had to, we had a lot of preparing. Well, we we had had to to do do homework, right? And so, you know, we were only at the con for like five hours, four hours on Friday, Mm -hmm. and on Thursday, we had some interviews that we had to do, and then we had a press conference after the turtle event, so... Because we had all these like extracurricular activities that kept us from the floor, which meant that really all we could do was network in Artist Alley. And as a result, like, oh my goodness, we had so many really awesome encounters and conversations there. You know, even though I love the convention experience, I kind of enjoyed being in business mode. Yeah. At conventions, we always make it a point to try to say hi to all of our past guests, and there were just so many there. <laughs> there was David Popose, Jesse Lonergan, Matt Lesniewski, Alex Segura, Matt Kent, Chip Zdarsky, Scott Snyder, and potential future guest, Jack. Yeah, yeah, you know, they had just put out the first issue of Buy a Thread, and I never saw them together, but it was fun to introduce ourselves to Jack and congratulate him on the premiere issue, and he was, like, just the sweetest, coolest kid. (laughs) And uh, Chip Zadarsky, I loved our little conversation with him. We got to thank him for his Howard the Duck virtual intro to our Alamo Winchester screening. And I mentioned that two people fell in love at our Howard the Duck screening and I gave him full credit I was like you know they both hated Howard the Duck (laughs) you hated Howard the Duck you created a safe space where they could really open up and and um and find each other and I think he took that credit also (laughs) no no he rolled his eyes Christian Ward was also there and because of Batman City of Madness he was having like the best con ever yes we were supposed to have breakfast with him and the Oblivion Bar Boys but navigating New York City traffic became a nightmare that first day and I went into full rage mode you did But like driving in New York is such an insane thing to do. Most New York people don't do it. (laughs) Right, right, right. But we're like, no, we can manage the Lincoln Tunnel. We've done it before and we can do it again. And no, no, we really, (laughs) we really couldn't this time. And so we missed that breakfast. Although we did get to catch breakfast with Daniel Warren Johnson. He took us to this amazing bakery. Oh my God, Lisa. I will eat anything filled with that pistachio stuff. It's so good. That almond croissant that I had. Yeah, I should have ordered that. That might have been the best croissant of my life. Yes. And after that breakfast, we immediately went 
back two days later, post our Ninja Turtles uh, panel, we had to celebrate with more pastry. And Bombolinis. Bombolinis. Pistachio Bombolinis. It's my jam, even though there's no jam involved. I think there could be jam, though. (laughs) The other great thing about going back to that bakery was it was so cold in the city. And, you know, it's like all wind tunnels in New York City. Mm -hmm. And we're walking back to the convention Sunday morning. But Lisa's a lizard. She runs cold already. Yes. So even after just having gotten coffee, I was like, we have to duck into another coffee shop to get another coffee or I'm going to become a Lisa sickle. You were purple. Like Lisa's (laughs) appendages were literally purple. So we jump into that coffee shop and who's there but Tom King. Yeah. And it was the third time we had run into Tom King at this coffee shop. And we got to hang and chat with him for a little while. He's from our area. So we talked like local stuff. It was fun. And then he'd leave the coffee shop and Nick Dragota would walk in and we would start talking about like all the commissions that he was chained to this weekend. Which is like another iteration of a type of Comic-Con a person can have. Like for these artists, it's like they're saying hi to you and and they're signing your books and then they're like furiously drawing to fulfill all of their commissions. And sometimes it's just like, I got to do all this back at the hotel Mm -hmm. because I can't do it and interact. Yeah, like they need their concentration. Like this is something they usually do sitting at home alone anyway. And it reminds me of like when you were in elementary school and even though you would be doing fine in math if the teacher comes up and asks you to do something in front of the class on the board. It's like, do I even know how to math? But also when you're up in that hotel room doing one commission after the other, you have to constantly remind yourself that this is a unique item for one passionate fan and you have to inject that energy into each piece. And that's a lot of pressure on these artists. I can only imagine. No, thank you. And <laughs> like, like we, we didn't commission much this year. We actually commissioned only one item. But we really put the screws to this artist. We asked for like the hardest thing to possibly draw as a commission. And, you know, we saw that Kyle Starks was doing some pre-commissions, you know, and we just had this idea, like, wouldn't it be cool to see us in that Kyle Starks style? So we messaged him. We were like, hey, Kyle, would you be up to doing comic book couples counseling? And his first response was, I don't know. And who can blame him? Because drawing people is like a real gateway to hurting somebody's feelings. I gotta think about (laughs) it. And then maybe like five minutes, if that went by and he went, let's do it. Yay. Good thing we are human caricatures. So we finally make our way over to Kyle's booth in Artist Alley and we just start chit-chatting. We're talking about this incredible year that he's been having with Where Monsters Lie, Peacemaker, I Hate This Place. And, you know, the conversation just keeps going and going and going. We're having a great time. But in the back of my head, and Lisa, I don't know if it was in the back of your head, are you wondering, like, well, did he do the commission or not? He hasn't mentioned it. Do we mention the commission? Like, maybe he didn't do the commission. I had forgotten all about the commission. I was just (laughs) enjoying Kyle's company. And so, you know, the conversation starts to dwindle down. And I go, okay, well... I guess he didn't do the commission. Well, maybe I can buy one of these really rad like Avengers pieces that he had done for the show. And just then he knew, like he was stringing it out. <laughs> he knew what I was thinking. And he goes, oh yeah, I did your commission. And yeah. then he pulls it out from under the table. And, and it's so cute. 
It's amazing. Do you know who loves it is my mom. <laughs> we were talking to her on the phone yesterday. My parents also liked it, but it seemed like your mom really loved yeah. it. And uh, yeah, we love it. We're going to have to get it framed and put up in the love nest. Uh, I will have links in the show notes uh, to for you to see it if you haven't seen it. We've put it up on like all of our socials. Uh, you know, like our eternal thanks to Kyle Starks for doing a caricature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like... We would not ask any artist to do like it seems like the most vain thing. Yeah. Where people are like, I want an icon, like fantastic, like the Fantastic Four, and we're like, I would like me, please, a little <laughs> bit more of me. But Kyle is so special, and his art is so like specifically like our vibe. It just I'm, I'm not gonna lie, Lisa, though. Like I do kind of want comic book couples counseling in every artist's style now. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, uh, that's... I definitely do. And yes, it is vain. And guess what? <laughs> I'm vain. And speaking of vain, we also finally met Dan slot in person and what did i do immediately show him a picture of me <laughs> i was like are you about to call dan slot vain no yes it's you yeah 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 silver surfer 200 with lisa in the don greenwood cosplay in the back we had been to other conventions that dan slot was also at but some of those like we hadn't had him on the podcast yet and i didn't know how like wonderfully friendly he is <laughs> and like i would just feel like uh, I love that run of Silver Surfer so much that the stakes of meeting him were like weirdly high for me. Right. So then once we actually enticed him onto the show and we had that incredible episode with him talking about Silver Surfer, you felt like, okay, now we're buds. Yeah, the barrier had been kind of broken down, but I still was like super giddy and awkward. And like when I, like I, I had the page with <laughs> me marked on it and he was like, so do you want me to sign this page and I was like no I just wanted like because the last thing I want to do is be like hi hi Dan Slot, you know writer of Spider-Man and Silver Surfer you know me you know what I mean so I'm like uh, yeah I'm but just, he did he, he did. did and he recognized this immediately when we walked up to the table mm -hmm. and you know we had Silver Surfer 200 with us we got that signed uh, we got a couple other Silver Surfer comics signed yeah yeah and, and, and then we asked for a picture and he's seated at his at his table, and he was kind of, like, squished in with all yeah. of those, like, comic yeah. sketch art people. Yeah, and he could not escape it. So so I, I suggest that we get down <laughs> lower so that we could be on his same level. And But instead of saying, oh, well, how about we just get down on our knees, I'll say, comic book couples counseling will get down for dance <laughs> lot. <laughs> and you turned to beat red. Yeah. And we took one of those wonderful, awkward booth photos. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to cherish it. I really am. <laughs> no. And he was really kind of us to give us an advanced copy of his new Doctor Who comic, which Once he's Upon so a Time Lord, which she is incredibly proud of. Christopher Jones, the artist, was also selling copies at his booth. So we were able to go then get it signed by uh, Chris Jones. And he was also a really cool dude being at new york comic-con is like being at disneyland where you go like let's go to cinderella's castle and chip and dale are here and also loki you know it's like everybody every corner you turn there is someone you're excited to meet and it just seems so magical and you know san diego comic-con will always be like our big first con experience it's like where we fell in love with conventions but the Artist Alley at San Diego pales yes. in comparison to what's going on at New York Comic Con. So, like, if Artist Alley is your thing, you got to go to New York Comic Con. Another great thing about New York Comic Con is, like, it feels like 
all of the comic book podcasting world is there and we got to see everyone in person and it was fun to hear their voices come out of their faces. Yeah, we got to meet these people for the first time in person. People like the Comics Pals, Sal and Tiffany from Comic Pop, Media Lunch Break, the Comic Bin Podcast, Read from a Bite of the Power of Friendship. And in a lot of cases, we learned them to us through the awesome power of comic book podcast panel that Botter hosted on Saturday night. And I gotta say like this panel felt like a party compared to our Ninja Turtles panel, which we stressed over. But once that went so well, it put us into this euphoric state. So when this panel came around, I was loosey goosey and ready to receive and give love. Well, that's because Botter did the stressful part. He literally <laughs> like, he pitched the panel, he put together the present Presentation. He was in contact with the audio people and all of that stuff. So all we had to do was show up, which right, was really, right. really nice. And if you want to hear this panel, you can do so right now via the short box. I'll have a link in the show notes for that as well. And Aaron and Chris from the Oblivion Bar and Troy from Previews World, they brought so much to this panel. Like, I felt like I barely even talked, and I, I felt like I was a member of the audience up on the panel, and it was really nice. It was so fun. And we and afterwards, we got to go out to dinner with the Comics Collective people, whom we love, Dallas, Anne, and Lexi. And, like, sometimes it's so weird because we live with these people on our social media and on our podcast feeds and going, like, Anne, I have ne I've never actually poked you. And I was just like, poke, poke, poke. Yay, right, right, poke, right. poke, poke. Like, same with Lexi. And same with a lot of these comic book podcast people, right? Like you have built these friendships online so that when you actually meet in the quote, physical space, end quote, uh, it doesn't feel like you're meeting them for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's this really strange sensation, but I kind of love it. And it was that way with our listeners too. You know, we would be like flipping through a long box and Gianni would stop us and go like, comic book couples counseling? We're like, who are you? Yeah. He's like, I'm Gianni. And you're like, oh, Gianni. Uh, you know, like, let's get a photo with you. Hey, Gianni's dad, snap our picture. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's just so strange and wonderful. It's like homey and comfortable. So comfortable, in fact, that you will just steal a burger right off their plate, <laughs> I shamelessly. I did not steal Doug's burger. Doug from For Every Kind of Geek. I ate his fries. And pickle. I, and his pickle. I had ordered the fondue burger, but I didn't know what the heck the fondue burger was going to look like. So when the waiter brought me a burger, I just assumed that was my burger. So I started eating those fries. And then they also brought the fondue burger, which was obviously a fondue <laughs> burger. Because it came with a pot of fondue. And it was hollowed out so you could pour fondue into the center of this burger. By the way, it was repulsive. But, uh, you know, I give that burger back to Doug and I I was like, Doug, I did eat like half your fries and your pickle. Uh, we can trade out these fries. He's like, it's all good. I was like, if you say so. It was your mistake that you had a bad burger because Dallas and Addison who live in New York were like, this is the burger you should order. This is how you should order it. And Brad's like, I'm going off book. It, I'm doing my when, own thing. When you see on the menu fondue burger, you're like, well, that sounds crazy. It's filled with cheese. But that's literally, that was all that was in that burger was cheese. There was like no <laughs> other condiment. It was, also it, was it, it was just too much cheese. When it comes to like getting a burger at the right temperature, the last thing you want to do is cut the center of it out. Yeah. Because that's the only place that retains the, heat. So this burger looked like a donut and then you poured 
molten lava cheese into what the I burger. What I want to know is who gets to eat the middle of your burger? You like, know? that's the best part. That's like a perk. That's yeah. like a perk of that yeah. job that you I... get to eat the middle of a bunch of Dum Dum's burgers. Well, I won't order a fondue burger ever again. And uh, Doug, this is my official apology to you for eating your pickle the and all your fries. The cocktails were great. Cocktails were awesome. So good. And it's not New York Comic Con without hanging out with Guido, Rob, from Dear Watchers, and Elliot from Famously Elliot Comic Art. Like, it was fun to celebrate our, like, one-year-ish anniversary <laughs> of being, like, in-person friends. And I kind of wish we had more time with them. Like, we're going to specifically drive to New York just to Hang hold with hands yeah. in a circle with those guys. And that was our New York Comic Con. It was really darn magical. It was fun to refill our well of, like, we're going to be telling those stories all year round. Yeah, absolutely. And it, this was our last con until... 2024 that feels a little strange to say but this has been the best year of comic book couples counseling's lives and new york comic-con might have been the best con experience of our lives cherry on top but also like the nuts too it's like everything that makes (laughs) an ice cream sundae a meal okay yeah yeah. yes yeah there's nutrition in there is what i'm saying fiber now on to the main body of this episode, getting back to Kevin Alvear and his new graphic novel, Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar, Attack of the Snack. Uh, Kevin's like this really hip, cool Brooklyn cartoonist, and this is like a quirky coming-of-age story. Coming-of-age, but not like coming-of-age of like Superbad or Ladybird, where it's like, you're a teenager, but like because of consequences, you're a woman now. It's more like, okay, you've been a woman for a while but now it's time for you to like be an adult oh no it's a time where you have to kind of like recontextualize your dreams you don't like necessarily give up on your childhood dreams but like kind of go like oh okay now that i have taken a step or two in this direction i'm going to like recalibrate lisa cheese is a unicorn from the paprika dimension which is kind of like a like a castles, feudal kind of thing. And she moves to Earth City in order to become a folk singer. But once she has settled down and taken a look around, she goes like, okay, I don't know if folk singer is for me, but I definitely don't want to go home again. So she's like very much in transition, trying to figure out who exactly she is. And she stumbles into a war. Mm -hmm. A burger war. Yes, an evil corporation is trying to take over Earth City by feeding it dark magic-laced burgers, turning people into burger minions. And the way we've described this book in the past is it's as if Jack Kirby was tabling at the Small Press Expo Mm -hmm. in Bethesda, Maryland. It has all the kinetic action of a Fantastic Four comic. It, you know, there are panels that really remind you of like a Kirby punch, but it's a really strange and odd little story that like indie sensibility that can only really come out of SPX. Yeah, yeah, but I, I want to point out that it's, like, not random, like, for random sake. No, 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 no. It is very well thought out, well constructed. It's but purposeful. Just, yeah, purposefully weird, which I think is really... Odd, not common. It's bonkers, but with a lot of heart, and really loose and free, but still so considered. 
And it has a beautiful central relationship between Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar. Ghost Guitar is basically living the dream that Lisa sought out in Earth City. Like, she doesn't necessarily want to be that now, but she still is going to enjoy being around it. Yeah, and when they finally connect they take the book to another level and they're able to do things that they could not have been able to do alone. And you'll hear in our conversation with Kevin the kind of brain that can make something this extraordinary come together because it does feel kind of like, whoa, you know, when you're reading it. Yeah, and I think it's that collision of this deeply personal exploration of self smashed in with Jack Kirby's sensibility. And a third thing, though, that's like Powerpuff Girls or something. It kind of reminds me of, like, Scott Pilgrim, Mm. how Brian Lee O'Malley is like, okay, relationship book, like, blankets, but also there's going to be anime in there and video games and fighting. It's like, um, it's grounded, but then explodes upward in such a spectacular fashion. And I think it can serve as a gateway for various tastes, right? Like, So if you're a Jack Kirby maniac and you want to dip your toe into like the SPX world, this is perfect for you. And if you're an SPXer and you want to like, you know, bring a little superhero-ness into your life, this is the way to do it. Just like Lisa Cheese is in transition, this, this book is at the transition of so many genres that it's like an entryway point for so many people. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but lately, since we've started our new segment, which we're about to get into, whenever I'm reading a book, I start to anticipate like, okay, what am I going to bring into this episode through our referrals? Little smoky today. Our new referrals segment is sponsored by Omnibus, and that is the modern digital comic book store and reader app that carries your favorite single issues, volumes, and omnibuses all day and date. Just like your local comic book store, you pay per book, but digital. Their focus is on building an excellent customer shopping and reading experience and using novel discovery features to help fans find their new next favorite book. They feature top tier content and already have many of the top publishers in comics today. So in the spirit of helping people find their next new favorite book, we have our referrals segment. The idea is to give our counselees, that's you guys, further reading on the themes of this episode. Think of it as us sending you to specialists to further your healing journey through comic books. That was another benefit of our New York Comic Con experience is that we actually got to meet Travis and Kenny from Omnibus, our sponsors, and chat with them in person. They were actually at that fondue burger dinner. Yeah. And they're like real comic book nerds, which expresses itself through the app. They're the kind of people you want to sell you comics. So reading Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar, I'm thinking like, okay, what's going to be my referral? Because I don't want it to be just one of those weird comics for weirdness sake. I want a comic that is purposefully weird and that has a philosophy that has like a thought in its brain. You sound like you're setting yourself up to go first, but I have (laughs) already shown my cards with my referral. Because my referral is Scott Pilgrim (laughs) (laughs) from Oni Press. The whole thing is on Omnibus. And if you have not seen the movie yet, what a delight for you. It's a wonderful movie. But if you have seen the movie and not read the book yet, 
What a delight for you. What a beautiful future you have. And if you haven't read it or watched it, oh my God, what is what the most perfect situation to be in. So I've seen the movie. I've never read the comics. So when you, like, it is a very faithful comic book adaptation. That's especially Especially that first part. Like, there are scenes that are, like, almost, like, shot for shot taken from the comic. But the comic is so much more expanded it's so much more spread out and you get a lot more of that kind of prickly awkwardness that you just like can't escape from like scott pilgrim is a character who knows he doesn't know how to behave but also doesn't really know how to fix it so like you know you get that like stomach churningness of like your 20s sure. yeah 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 it takes you back to a dark place yeah yeah uh, but it's funny but and it, the characters are great i would say at least in terms of the movie it takes that first step out of that awkwardness and the climax of the film is a little bit of a relief even though you're not sure if scott has learned all the lessons yet yeah but he's like willing he's like yeah i've i've got to grow like it's time yes we're going to have to have Scott and Ramona on our therapy couch eventually, if only just to get you to read the damn book. Absolutely. I'm a little jealous of your pick because even having only seen the movie, I know it's a great pairing with Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar. Not that it's a competition, especially <laughs> when I slay you. It's always a competition, <laughs> Lisa. Uh, so for my referral, I picked a strange little ditty from Silver Sprocket, one of my favorite indie publishers. It's Grog the Frog, the Book of Taurus by Alba BG and Davalorium. The title character is another kind of apathetic fellow, and every year he misses his chance to partake in these magical rites during this harvest, but this time, this summer, he's going to get it done. And he travels into these mystical mountains, and he encounters all kinds of strange weirdos like himself. He falls into a cosmic duel with a godlike being. The art is a little bit blacklight poster, a little bit lava lamp, a little bit cuphead. It's gorgeous, it's quirky, but there is a purpose to that quirk. It's about looking inward and confronting those dark negative aspects of yourself, of striving to be a better person than you currently are. And that is why it pairs well with Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar. Yeah. We were really of one mind. Like we, like our, our, um, even though our referrals are so different, like we got the same message and we found resonance in two very different stories. Love it. Although I got to say, like, I don't think Grog the Frog even makes the decision that Scott Pilgrim makes at the end. I think it's more about like, uh, the reader, what did I get out of it? And mm. do I want to be Grog the Frog? You know, like that little fellow, he's just going to keep on keeping on. Mm. I don't know. I, I definitely would like to read more Grog the Frog and see how he does. Both of our referrals are, of course, available on Omnibus. Link in the show notes. Referrals. So Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar Attack of the Snack is currently available from Top Shelf Productions. Go find your local comic book store and pick it up. You should also know that on November 19th at 2 o'clock at Baker Falls in New York City, 101 Avenue A, 
Kevin Alvier is doing a big time release party, a rock show, an all ages matinee rock show in celebration of his comic. How cool is that? Super cool. We're going to try to make it up. It's a three and a half hour drive, but it's like just it's that tempting amount of time of like we could make it up do the event, and drive back in time for us to go to work the next day? I, I'm confident we can do it. Yeah. I, I love driving up to New York. I forget that I love driving up to New York, but every New York Comic Con is a great reminder, and we should be able to maintain that knowledge until November 19th and uh, get our butts up there and say hey to Kevin. But we don't have to wait to say hi to Kevin because we're going to say hi to Kevin right now in this interview, which was recorded in the past. Time is weird. Kevin, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Oh, hello. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. A huge congratulations for getting Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar out into the world. Oh my God, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of sobbing a little bit. Not visually, but... <laughs> Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but it has to be like a huge emotional experience. Oh yeah, yeah, I would say it is. I feel like after I finished the book, I would say that I definitely had, I mean, I cannot speak to what it's like to be pregnant as a male, but um, I felt like I had postpartum depression after I finished the book for a good month. Yeah, and then, you know, now you have to like promote and build up the excitement around the book. <laughs> and then I'm sure there'll be like another version of postpartum depression once it's out in the world. Yeah. I have like all that depression, like scheduled in my day planner. So. <laughs> okay, good, good, um, good. So I'm ready for it. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, anyone who follows you on socials knows that you're like super hustling and you're constantly turning out, you know, new work. So like, in many mediums. Yes. So Lisa oh, yeah, Cheese yeah. might be Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar might be coming out, but you're already hard at work on the next thing. Yeah, yeah. I have um several other comics that I self-publish, um, or I do for the internet, but I think I prefer self-publishing. I'm just starting to realize how nice it is to have like a just like a book in your hands and not just like swiping through a comic. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, it, it's like a manifestation, right? Like once you can get it into something that's got a spine, it's a totem. Oh yeah, yeah. You could you could like feel the energy coming off of it. You know, in preparation for this conversation, you know, Lisa and I are going through interviews that you've done in the past, and you know, like, oh, like who is Kevin? Like, what what has made Kevin a cartoonist? And of course, one of the things that stuck out to me in this little research phase is that we're both fans of Stan Sakai. Oh, yeah. I love Stan Sakai. What, what's your, like, Stan Sakai origin story? Because, you know, Stan Sakai's been around forever, mm -hmm. and he I feel like we kind of take him for granted as a cartoonist at this point, but people are still discovering his work. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain timelessness to, like, what he does, but, I mean, my history of being a Stan Sakai uh, stan uh, is that, mm -hmm. I mean, I was a Ninja Turtles cartoon guy, so, like... I was inhaling all those action figures and the Usagi Ojimbo episode. I mean, I was like all about, you know, a rabbit samurai and I really enjoyed like the, you know, that whole concept. And I feel like it's, I don't know, the cartoon, the comics read so well. And I don't know, I feel like I could pick up like any chapter and just like read it. And I don't need to like figure out like where in the soap opera I am, you know? 
Yeah, we talk about that all the time with Usagi Ojimbo, where he like th- those comics are the most generous to new readers. And yeah, I yeah. feel like what's kind of cool about your work and the way that you present it, especially on Instagram, is that you can get like a little piece and that little piece is enough. <laughs> like you don't there's not a huge barrier for entry. Right, right. Yeah, I love that quality. Um, I always think about like, uh, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're going back into my childhood. So I think about like watching Batman, the animated series, and like you could watch like the Poison Ivy episode of whatever, and you don't have to know like much else outside of that episode. It all just like is contained within that snippet. So I try to emulate that. Yeah. And when you are then formulating the narrative that that is this first volume of Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar, you're 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 now like committing to a story. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And what are the pressures of that versus you know presenting like a little piece here and there mm. of their story? Yeah, I mean, um, I have to think about more of like the saga of the general character of like Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar about like kind of like what is their overall like life story I guess and you know this is like my first time doing like something that's like long form so definitely Chris Staros from Top Shelf is like a great coach for me to be like all right like we're looking at this part of their life and you know next time we dip in we haven't even talked about uh what would be next but i imagine that conversation will happen someday but um yeah i guess it's just thinking about like what makes lisa cheese lisa cheese and sort of yeah just like having to think about their life in a in a zoomed out version like where do you want it to end you know like i don't know i'm actually I feel like I'm kind of mythologizing sort of my own journey mm. of that is kind of uh, reflective of whatever Lisa Cheese is going through. So when I think about that, it's like, it's not like I came of age, like in the matter of like 11 chapters. I was like, well, I'm done. Like, <laughs> Let's start a new thing. It's kind of like, I came of age like incrementally and I still don't necessarily know if I have come of age, but there's definitely like incremental things that you experience as you kind of like come to discover yourself. It's interesting that you say that because I find the character of Lisa Cheese so relatable yeah. um, because there really is two plots to the story. There's there's the plot of there is, you know, this evil corporation that is using dark magic to create these burger minions. There's that thing. But then there's the story of Lisa, who took this huge step in her life. She left her home dimension to be a folk musician in Earth City, and nothing has gone the way that she's planned. But she also feels like she can't go backward. Like, I, I think one of the most inspiring things that she says is uh she goes like oh i just need to see how this mystery plays out like i've weirdly committed to this thing right Mm -hmm. was there a moment in your creative history where you go like oh no i've taken this huge step 
it didn't lead to where I thought it was going to lead, but at the same time, I cannot move backward. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I moved to New York City um, back in the double late double aughts, and I just kind of had this, like, I was getting out of grad school, and I think, like, my destiny late before me at the time was, like, you're going to be a teacher, you're going to live in Philly, you're going to buy a condo, and I just kind of felt this internal, like, if I do that, I feel like my body is going to revolt. Mm -hmm. So I really was like, I feel like I need to live my life because I feel like unlived if I don't. And like my family was very like, oh my God, what are you thinking? Like New York is crazy. It's expensive. It's like, you know, it's everything. And, and I was like, I need to do this. And I don't know why. And everybody was kind of like, well, see if it works out. It's going to chew you up and spit you out. So um, I made that jump and then there was like a time in my being here in New York where like I was here trying to start a band and that band kind of fell apart and I was like I don't want to go back to Philly and just kind of be like all right I guess I'm gonna go back to school and buy that condo or whatever um, I was like I need to commit to this and I was talking to a friend of mine and she was She's very of the mystic persuasion. Her name is Lindsay. And um, she was just like, you know, Kevin, I know you probably like would feel great to just like go back to like wherever you came from. But, you know, sometimes like the great thing about life is just sitting with the mystery and see how it plays out. Mm. So, I mean, I, that's what I wrote into the book. Yeah, like Lisa has so many expectations put on her, like the expectation of her parents who are like in our family, like we're conquerors. That is the expectation. And then she has the, her own personal, personal expectation. Like I'm going to be a folk musician, but then she turns out to have like this tremendous talent for defending snacks. And like, I think about like where, like, it, it, like I look at your bio and you have all of these amazing credits and amazing things that you've done and like a common piece of advice is like you have to follow the passion that's chasing you back like lisa is having the passion of you know being this warrior defending sex you know what i mean chasing her back like do you feel like do you feel like you've found the thing that is chasing you back yeah i feel like i have and i feel like i've been doing it all along i think it was just me finally like owning it and just mm -hmm. being like yeah this is this is kind of like I mean I know that we're trying to figure out what like Lisa's Lisa's story is but I feel like I was starting to kind of get to my own like idea of like oh like this isn't this is uh yeah there is something that I'm like attracted to and I need to live out and I think this is just how it's written in the sky, maybe. Because mm -hmm. um, I do kind of believe in that sort of stuff. So I just feel like kind of following that invisible voice or, uh, you know, that that sort of invisible force that kind of keeps you going. And I think that's kind of like what I love about Lisa Cheese. I feel like she really is about not, and even just like for her and then even like, helping out like the roast pork bun bakery mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know she wants them to be able to like do what they're put here to do and I think that's like kind of her mission is is what she's finding 
there's this other element to Lisa Cheese, though, where she has a bubbling rage mm-hmm. uh, that will overflow occasionally. And I find those moments to be some of the most delightful in the comic uh, and also the most relatable. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that I definitely relate to that because, I mean, I feel like I was a very, like, placid, like, oh, I'm a good boy kind of, like, kid. <laughs> and I think, like, you know, I definitely sort of took it you know as a as a kid just oh is that what you want okay I'll do that and then after years of that it just becomes like this calcified rage that I feel like something would happen and it definitely came out like when I started living here in New York where you just feel like you're bombarded with like lots of things and you just start to feel like oh like you know uh don't take advantage of me or like you know it starts to kind of fight back for Lisa, she is experiencing it as rage, mm-hmm. but like I see it as like that's actually her passion. And I, I was going to say superpower, right? Super- like it, it does develop. But like you know, when you have like when you've been like kind of like stuffing your passion, like having that that thing inside yourself express itself sometimes does feel like rage where all of a sudden you're recording a podcast and which shouldn't be important and you're crying because it's just like this wasn't turning up the way from your sponsor you know oh my god this is like truth to power i mean you've totally unlocked a little bit of me right now lisa um <laughs> i definitely yeah i i totally identify with that that very much resonates it's like yeah that's just like her her passion that's like wake up like where have you been you know like come to um so yeah I definitely relate to that because like I mean I feel like you know I mean I've had my you know shares of therapy and my therapist have been like you know Kevin it seems like you would have some anger that you don't want to like let out and I'm like yeah I do I just like how do I get to it and sometimes right. it just comes out in the most like odd ways now this could just be the lisa cheese book but it is lisa cheese and ghost guitar and when when did ghost guitar when did Gigi uh, get involved in this story um well you know i did like you know during the pandemic when this all started i did like the lisa cheese cyborg unicorn web tunes mm-hmm. like uh, i've since deleted it so nobody tried to search for it <laughs> um, but I also like on the side, I was like really into like the mystics and, you know, spirit. And like, I love like Doctor Strange and like this like cosmic supernatural kind of side to like uh, superheroes. So uh, I was, I don't know, I just thought it was fun to do maybe like my own indie version of like Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider. Um, so I kind of did like little mini comics for myself and I mean, sort of like maybe a boring story is that I was meeting with Chris from Top Shelf and I gave him like a packet of like Lisa Cheese comics and I gave him like a packet of ghost guitar and he was like, I love Lisa Cheese, but I also really love ghost guitar and I feel like he was like, let's combine them. Like, let's have them like be together in this like shared universe. And in the webcomic, in the webtoons thing that I did, uh, Ghost Guitar was there with Lisa Cheese. Um, so that isn't 
far off from like the original intention but um yeah it was just like a side character just to like sort of open it up to like not just like urban sort of living but also like uh, a supernatural side to things which I'm I'm very intrigued by I feel like you did such a great job in setting up the world building for this earth city multi-dimensional universe like mm. because you give only the most essential exposition where it's just like just enough to expose there is an internal logic but literally anything can happen it's just like yeah it's this way but there are also demons and we're just kind of used to it and like that's just enough to like peek behind the door and go like madness can ensue like how intentional was that world building? Are there parts of the world that you're hiding or are you just giving yourself like, uh, or have you just given yourself this like super long leash to do just um, whatever? I would say A and B, mm. like keeping some of it hidden and also just giving myself like a long leash. Um, Cause I don't know, I, I just felt like when it came down to like, again, when I was talking to Chris, I was like starting this, book and I was like how do I what do I do and he was like don't think about it just like draw like see what you're drawing and just like see what you're drawn to it was like a really cool intuitive like guidance from somebody who I thought could be like you're gonna do like this that and the other and he was just very like just uh just vibe it out so um yeah I just uh I just felt like really interested to draw like demons and weird looking people and have it be sort of this like other version of like earth as we know it, but kind of lopsided. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to like, I don't know. I just like wanted to like have any possibility happen. Cause I don't know. Uh, yeah. Is just vibe it out generally how you would work without an editor and the editor just kind of like intuited that or is, was that kind of new to you? Um, Again, I'll say both because I feel like, uh, I mean, naturally, if it, if I was just left to my own devices, I mean, I'll just make the like the most, you know, what like anarchy kind of comic, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then with like some editorial sort of like uh, insertion, uh, he, I mean, I think like what's so great is that Chris kind of just understands me. So He's just kind of like, yeah, just go in that direction. See, see what feels groovy. And I was like, cool. And I mean, he's also very like, that part's not working. So let's like rework that. And I wasn't like, how dare you? It was very easy to just be like, all right, cool. I guess uh, I'll just groove in a different way and make that work. Um, did I answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, I, I just wonder, like, you know, this is your first like full length book. So I go like, did you have like a certain expectation of what Chris would be able to do for you? Like, oh, finally I'll have an editor and they'll help me work on this part of myself that like as a storyteller, I want help. Or, or you know, like sometimes it's just like, it feels good to like have constraints in a storytelling um, format. Yeah, um, I actually did not expect to have Actually, I've never worked in like the comic book uh, world or graphic novels world. So having an editor was like a little new to me. I mean, this whole process was kind of like, oh, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. you, know? <laughs> um, you know, I kind of thought that like, you know, you 
get things from like fanographics or drawn in quarterly and it kind of seems like we just we just felt this we did it um <laughs> I didn't really understand like what was going to happen but Chris likes to have some editorial input so there is kind of like a seal of approval on everything that happens um but you know I feel like I really welcomed it because I could very well just like do some sort of like wild comic and maybe it might not make sense but uh you know, it's cool to have somebody to guide me to actually teach me how to like sort of think about story in a different way that maybe before this, I didn't really know what to do. I just think about Lisa at the beginning of the book, like coming to Earth City and going like becoming a folk star, folk singer, uh, household name seems pretty straightforward to me. I just go <laughs> and I do like some open mics and just opportunities will like just start opening up for me. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's and not they true. Did. They did, but not the ones that she thought. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, like, that kind of happened for me. Like, I came here with, like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll come to New York with, like, some idea of, like, oh, I'll do a band. And, I mean, that's, like, what I did when I lived back in Virginia and D.C. Like, I always, like, had a band that I would, like, play out with in Arlington. Um so when I moved to New York, it kind of seemed like, I guess that would happen. I mean, I naturally do that. And I guess I could like find people. So I guess that there was like some trust that like something would happen. I just don't know how exactly that would play out. So that kind of plays into like the scary part of it. It's like, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I'd like to just explore a little bit. This, this The scary side of things, you know, you connect with Top Shelf. You now have an editor the experiences that I've had with an editor, especially early on, like I hated it. Rebel I, tendency yeah, over here. Big time rebel tendency. And I didn't want anyone's input. And whenever I got input from an editor, I resisted it or I challenged it. And uh -huh. it took a long time for me to um, realize that maybe they weren't my enemy. <laughs> that <laughs> they're they, there to help. And, <laughs> and it sounds to me that you and Chris connected um very well almost instantly but yeah. was there any kind of anxiety once you were at top shelf you know i would say that probably after i almost finished the book i started like investigating like what's the lore of like top shelf because like before this i had like a few books from the top shelf catalog that i was like oh i like this and i feel like if i were to do a comic yeah i'd probably send it to top shelf and I didn't know about like the the culture around it, but um, but you know I've had a lot of collaborators in the past that are like no and eh, eh, like don't do that and it feels very like direct like uh, you know direct like uh, I can't say the word right now but direct sort of like Kevin you suck or like what antagonism the right like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And um, with Chris, you know, he was very gentle and in the sense that he was like, here's my advice and you could like not take it. And like, he gave me an out all the time. And I was just like, you know what? I'll just do it just because, you know? And um, I mean, I was just curious to see how it's like. Cause obviously, like I said, I, I could always do like an unedited version that, could be maybe like meandering or or 
not as uh it doesn't flow as well but um yeah I don't know yeah the the editing part is hard because I mean I've played in bands with people that are like the song no like why are you doing this to us <laughs> like um, <laughs> uh you know I've worked with other people where they're like uh-uh and I, I don't know I just kind of maybe I was just at a place too where I was like surrendering to like well, this is me and I know who I am. And, you know, if you're going to come in and kind of help me with this book, I'm just going to be surrendered to like what you got to say and I'll just do it. And I'm not really tied to anything as being like, this is, this is like what needs to happen. Um, it was all very much in support of like, well, I just want to tell like the best story and I want to like learn how to like tell the best story I can. So I was just really open to it. Other, usually I wouldn't be, and usually I felt like I was like with people that felt like they were just making more of a comment about my skills and personality or something. Yeah. Like when you were writing Lisa Cheese, and I know that she's been through a couple of like permutations before she is now the Lisa Cheese that we're seeing coming out of Top Shelf. Like, were you going in there with the intentionality of like, this, Lisa Cheese is a direct reflection of the lessons I've learned in my life thus far? Or were you like, there's this character, Lisa Cheese, she's doing stuff, you know? Yeah, there was um, Lisa Cheese and she's doing stuff. And I think like what did not exist until we started working on like the book was like a solid origin story as mm -hmm. to like why she was doing all that she did. And I mean, at first it just kind of felt like I don't know. I was kind of doing like my amalgam of like Thor and She-Hulk mm -hmm. with specs of I don't know indie weirdness and um, yeah, it it kind of changed and I felt like I was putting a lot of stuff in that consciously I didn't realize that I was kind of telling my own story of mm. like my own. Um, I just started putting stuff in and I'd like read it back and I'd kind of think about it. I'm like, oh, that's reflective of this moment in my life. And yeah, it wasn't a conscious thing for a lot of it. And then um, I would just like play with like some uh, part or like some part in the story. And I just felt like I was uh, just kind of drawing out something that was really uh, crucial to me, so. So yeah, it's kind of like a, a mixed bag. That's what Lisa and I responded to when we were reading and then discussing Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar is that it's this huge open world and it feels like you've created something that uh, you, you've created a space where all the things that you love, you can put into this book. And we love creators who managed to do that you know we talk a lot about mike mignola and hellboy and he made a book that he could just put all of his love into uh or you know with that texas blood and chris condon and jacob phillips they they made a comic that could go on forever and they could just keep putting their obsessions into this one book and that's what it feels like for lisa cheese and ghost guitar the added thing in it is that while you're reading it you're also getting a strong sense of the creator like um, we felt like, oh, you know, this is this is Kevin's story as much as it is Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar's story. But I felt like it was also like Lisa Gullickson's story. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. You know, like where it's just like 
I, you know, I am a person who has, I have certain talents, but like, I like the passion that I find is like whatever expresses myself the most, you know, like what was your upbringing as a musician? Like, where did you start as a musician? Oh, I mean, you know, I was like a kid that like tinkered on a keyboard and my mom mm-hmm. was like, let's get him a piano. And then I did piano lessons. And, um, and then I kind of petered out because like they got somebody that was probably going to try to train me to be more of like a concerto piano mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked playing like row your boat or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I eventually moved to like guitar and, you know, they got me a teacher that they thought was going to turn me into like Lindsay Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. (laughs) Like make songs like beat happening, if you know who they are, or like Daniel Johnston or something where it's like, I just kind of want to like strum and kind of like hum some dumb stuff and make that meaningful, you know? I yeah. see a lot of Daniel Johnston in Lisa Cheesy Ghost Guitar. Now that you say that, yeah, yeah, there's connective tissue there. Yeah, like what's the most direct line from my heart to your ears that doesn't take a lot of like like direct virtuosity? Like I love comparing your other work to Lisa Cheese because you can really actually just draw anything. Like, how did you come to the look of like Lisa Cheese? Um. Yeah, well, you know, I I was just goofing around. I had an office job. I was working at um, a fancy fashion label at the time. And I was like, I was a temp. And um, God, I, I feel like under fire if I say something. But, um, <laughs> but um, I had a notebook. And in between, like, tasks, I would, like, literally doodle, like, this pony. She wasn't even a unicorn at the time. Uh, a pony with like office wear kind of just talking about how boring like office life can be I guess I just wanted uh I don't know I thought like a pink turtleneck was just like really funny and I love adventure time Mm -hmm. and like what I was saying with like uh drawing in my notebook is like I just like that was like the thing that got me back into drawing because there was a long decade where I did not draw Mm between college and when I was like working at uh and um, and I just started like I was inspired by like Adventure Time's kind of like openness to kind of draw whatever dumb thing so I just thought it was funny to just draw like a turtleneck on a pony yeah it's just so loose like it's so like it's like it's it's beautiful and it's colorful but it's not like belabored which you yeah. are capable of you could do something super sharp and specific if you wanted to yeah i mean there's definitely like a client like you know i i do like dog portraits and people portraits and i do like other kinds of things right for people but i feel like when it comes to comics like i'm just not attracted to that look of like or at least for me personally like and I mean, I love all these artists when I see their work, but I just am not like, I'm not a Jim Lee, even though I like Jim Lee, I'm not a Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. I feel like what motivates me, like what gets me excited is to see something that's kind of like loosely drawn and like clear, like the storytelling is very clear. I mean, I like that about like Bruce Timm's work or the guy that does uh, Astro Boy. Oh yeah, Suzuka. Yeah, just like a very clear storytelling. So 
when it comes to making comics, I want it to be very like clear. Mm-hmm. That like to me that just reminds me of your music story where they're like, you could be a concert pianist. You're hyper capable, and you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I just don't like all that other extra stuff. At least for me, um, some people can really work with that, but yeah, I think there's something just in my spirit that is very like I want it very simple and I want the message to be very direct and I know you mentioned that you have not had these conversations yet with Top Shelf but it does feel like this openness that you have in this world that you've created with Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar and it is you know we haven't even mentioned the subtitle of like Attack of the Snack like (laughs) it does feel like a part one a volume one and and I'm what is the um where is your desire to get back into this world right now? Which is a horrible question to ask somebody who is just putting it out into the world. <laughs> I recognize. No, yeah, that's a question I ask myself and keep myself up at night with. So I'm glad to do that on the podcast. But um, where do I want to take it next? Um, I kind of want to get like a little deeper into Lisa. And I want to show a bit more of like where Ghost Guitar comes from. And I kind of want to show something that maybe is not so like, I feel like a a fast food corporation trying to like proliferate is very big. I kind of want to do a little more of like an intimate story. Where Um, they might smooch or it'll feel like they're going to smooch. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I feel like with Ghost, I mean, with Lisa, I feel like I want to show Lisa's sort of like, discovery in that realm too because I feel like that was something that happened for me so I I kind of want to put that out there to kind of get ahead of like whatever (laughs) embarrassment or shame I might feel about it so yeah there is like um yeah I kind of want to have there be like a slow boil to like Lisa's like I like ability to identify like what she even likes or who Mm -hmm. she likes and because I feel like, um, I don't know, I, I feel like other places might kind of push too fast towards that. Right. No, I loved you saying, like, I didn't even make the, like, Doctor Who connection. But, like, like one of the things that makes the Doctor Who stories that I like so great is, like, the palpable but un like the palpable sexual tension that never is, like, realized. So, like, I'm right, like, that right, might right. be my favorite genre of anything ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's so real. I mean, there's like, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gay. And I feel like it, I don't know, there would be like relationships where I would be like, I don't know, I I like them. And I, I feel like very fluttery. But I think when I was like, a little younger, and maybe like, not sure if it was a safe world to like, be myself, I was definitely like, I don't know what this is and mm-hmm. like how do I, like how do I present myself in the world and how do I get out there so I definitely like want to like definitely illustrate that um just for my own yeah you know, for, for my own entertainment and understanding <laughs> well it would also be for my entertainment so please make those <laughs> comics please oh well, yeah, yeah. 
we we're just like so on board for lisa cheese and ghost guitar comics you know there's just this incredible energy to the storytelling uh there's like depth to the character the the openness of the world is inviting but it's also just so dang personal and reflective yeah and yeah. you know that's what we do here on comic book couples this counseling is what we love we want yeah. to find ourselves in these books and we find ourselves in Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar. And we also think that we can see some Kevin there too. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love therapy. Hence why I'm so like into y'all's podcast. Um, and I do, I love like the, yeah, I don't want to just like read something and be like, well, that was like them just, you know, I don't want to just like shrug it off. I do want to feel like I'm like, I, I do want to capture that feeling of like when I watched Six Feet Under. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Under was like one of those uh, moments for me where I was like, you know, I want to learn how to write. Cause like the way that they do it in the show, it's like beautiful. There's like poetic things that happen, lessons that are learned. And like the characters kind of like unfurl over time. Um, so I really wanted that to be present in like whatever I do. And I find that like the six feet under kind of aesthetic. And then I think of Paul Dini and his writing for the Batman cartoon, mm -hmm. also very like pathological. And you kind of get a sense of like where all of his characters come from at the heart of things. So I feel like that's always been brewing in me for a long time to like make characters that can breathe and feel and you can kind of be like oh I get that or like oh I've been there or and I feel like that really just comes down to like me just having to like write about things that I know and and or things that I've seen and you know so yeah I'm glad that you get that out of there yeah and like six feet under and Batman the under animated series <laughs> could also be unhinged to yeah. take a word that comes out of Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar a lot. Like they can go wild. You look at like a story like Mad Love uh, and, and look at Harley Quinn, period. You know, like that's a that's an unhinged moment in Batman the Animated Series. Oh yeah, Mad Love was like, I read that like when it first came out, I mean, it's in tatters now. <laughs> but like, I mean, I read that over and over and Paul Dini and Bruce Tim to me are just like such huge heroes of doing like this, unhinged um kind of thing um and yeah 16 under two is like it's utter mayhem and yeah. actually i got a title from the chapter of utter mayhem from like an interview with the guy that played david fisher on the yeah. show <laughs> we talked about season four being like utter mayhem um that was very convoluted but no, um, no, no, but but but, but accurate, right? Like yeah. utter mayhem is in six feet under, uh, with all its pathos too. Oh my god, I love yeah, six feet under. I like like Batman, Mad Love. I have watched six feet under. I have like the whole series on DVD. I've watched it like eight times through. <laughs> all the directors' commentaries, writers' commentaries. Um, yeah, I'm a huge six feet under like scan i guess yeah uh kevin thank you so much for hanging out with us today to talk lisa cheese and ghost guitar we love this attack chat. of the snack don't want to miss the subtitle <laughs> 
Thank you so much. For folks that want to continue this conversation with you online, we've talked a lot about your socials. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes, but in case they don't look at those show notes, uh, where can they find you? You can find me on um, Instagram at Mr. Underscore Kevin Alvere. Um, or you could just type in Instagram, just Kevin Alvere. Uh, you can look me up on Twitter or X. Um, we don't call it that. Yeah. <laughs> we just call it Twitter. <laughs> um, Twitter. Um, I forget what my name is there. There's Calvier Comics, and then there's like I am the Kevaverse. Actually, just find me on Instagram. I'd rather I'd much rather build a, a community <laughs> over there. Sounds or good. threads. Um oh yes, threads. Yeah, we got <laughs> threads. We're on threads. I've never posted or looked at it. Yeah, <laughs> like I've, many I've, people on threads. This <laughs> week was great. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh again, Kevin, thank you so much and congratulations on oh, this thank book. Thank you so much. Love, love being here. Thank you. <laughs> and there you go. Once again, Lisa Cheese and Ghost Guitar Attack of the Snack is now available. And make sure to head up to New York City for the Rock Show on November 19th. I loved what Kevin was saying about how being a little bit punk rock, being a little bit rough around the edges created like a shorter thread between his heart and the reader mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like virtuosity has its own space and it is extremely like expressive but just because you are capable of virtuosity doesn't mean that you that's what you are locked into doing like that doesn't need to be your pursuit and it's not more valuable than the rougher around the edges art form either i love that he's also a musician so he could explain it in musicians terms where like they were trying to turn me into a concert pianist but i really loved play i loved playing row 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 your boat i loved playing what was easy and fun to play. Like when I uh, ended up going to music school, I did opera, not because I had a love for opera, but that was what they were offering at the one school I auditioned at. Right. And I, I sometimes wonder what kind of musician I would be if I did not take that weird left turn in my, in my musicianship. I'm a little bummed out that we didn't break out the Zoom recorder when we were in Artist Alley with Luca and Kevin because you continued that thread of this conversation at New York Comic Con and you took it to some real raw places that uh, were, are probably not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> but, it, you know, as, as a fan of you and as a fan of Kevin, it was like... Uh, you know, I, I I mean, I hate to even say this because the listeners can't partake in it. We've walked some similar roads and gone in completely different places. Yeah. And listeners, longtime listeners will be able to like piece things together and figure out where that conversation at New York Comic Con probably concluded. But that conclusion at New York Comic Con was the true end to the conversation that we started here. So maybe we just need to get Kevin back on the show at some point to get the ending of this conversation on the record. But also we might not want to share that. Not all know. of it. Not all of my stuff. But that's the beautiful thing about talking about stories is that the conversation is never done. Like mm. a thread of the conversation that we had with Kevin on the floor we then took into our interview with Sean Kittleston. Mm, yeah. And so it goes back to that idea of like, we talk about stories because we are noodling on ourselves and our own existence. What a great way, Lisa, to tease upcoming episodes. So our next conversation will be with 
Kevin Eastman talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and what he thought of the Mutant Mayhem adaptation. In that episode, we will also talk about our panel experience at New York Comic Con. We will have conversations coming up with G. Willow Wilson talking about The Hunger in the Dusk and Sean Kittleson talking about Heart Attack. And that Heart Attack conversation is a spiritual sequel to the conversation we just had with Kevin and a sequel to the conversation that we had with Kevin in Artist Alley. That's what I love so much about comic book couples counseling is how an idea that you noodle on with Tom King and Mitch Garrods will then develop further in a conversation with, say, Kevin Alvier, which will then go into Sean Kittleson. Uh, yeah, that's what's so much fun about comic book couples counseling. And we're still trying to figure out the scheduling of all those New York Comic Con conversations. Some might appear in the Patreon feed. Some might appear in the main feed. We also have an epic ultimate conversation with Chris and Laura Somney talking about John and the Impossible Monsters, as well as a conversation with Junie Ba talking about his new graphic novel, Mobilis. Those are definitely coming in the main feed. We've got a lot going on. Todd McFarlane talking about Spawn 350. Howard Chaikin talking about his Kickstarter, Fargo. It's overwhelming, frankly. Overwhelming for us, but hopefully very whelming for our (laughs) listener. I hope that they come away from all of those talks very, very whelmed. Okay, Brad. Yes. Where can our listeners... I generally have something cute. I have nothing I have nothing on deck. Where can our <laughs> listeners send the words of affirmation to you? You can find me on most social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show poster, send them to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I'm always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app you prefer. We're everywhere. And if you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com. And you can follow us on all the socials at cbccpodcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to do an act of service... Why not write a review of the show while you're there? And if you're a podcast, we'll write one five-star review right back at you. Just let us know. That was one of the things that came up at at Botter's panel was like he put up all of our five-star reviews and he was like, how? And we're like, we ask for them constantly and we barter and beg for them. (laughs) Yes, you got to protect your other fellow podcasters. It's a small world out there. We're fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within this four color realm. (laughs) This four color realm. I like it. I like this four color realm. We live in the comics now. (laughs) 